This is The Guardian. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian Archive Long Read. Hi, I'm Daniel Trilling. I'm a journalist and author based in London, and I'm the author of The Guardian Long Read, Golden Dawn, The Rise and Fall of Greece's Neo-Nazis, which was originally published in March 2020. So this story actually came from some reporting that I'd been working on for almost a decade. I first got interested in Greece during the time of the financial crisis. And I first went to Greece in 2012 to report on the social and political fallout from the crisis. This was at a time when Greece was going through this very severe economic turmoil and Greek society had polarised. There was a big rise in support for far left and far right political parties. There were lots and lots of street protests going on in Athens. I've actually been following the story of Golden Dawn ever since I first went to Greece in 2012. And initially it was about how this uh, very openly fascist and neo-Nazi political party had managed to gain this prominent role in Greek politics. It was a really important story for me because it was this question of how in a Europe that had declared never again after the Second World War, and in a country, Greece, that had suffered so brutally at the hands of Nazi occupiers during the Second World War, you could have this return of this sort of politics that we might have thought had gone forever from Europe. And although Golden Dawn, by the time I was writing The Long Read, had collapsed as a political party, there was still this question of how did they get to that position in the first place? And the trial really laid that out in detail. So I was trying to tell readers in 2020, well, here you can see just how extreme and violent this party was. But here are all the factors that led to its emergence that actually they're specific to Greek politics and Greek history. But you can see the similarities with other countries. And it's a really important lesson in like how these things can happen if we allow them to. And I think that's just as relevant in 2023 as it was a few years ago when I first published the piece. It was a huge amount of work for me because obviously I was following the story for years. A friend joked that it's the ultimate long read because I was working on it before the Guardian long read even existed as a section. I was keeping in touch with all my contacts and just watching the trial develop. And because a lot of Golden Dawn's violence was targeted against refugees and migrants, which is another subject I write about a lot, I brought in a lot of contacts from a lot of different areas of my reporting that I'd done in Greece over the years spoke to political contacts, people who knew Golden Dawn really well, 
both inside and outside the party, but also refugees and migrants who had been targeted by racist violence and so on. And then in addition to all of that, I had some Greek contacts who very helpfully gave me a hand sifting through all of the court documents. There was a real effort to translate those into English and publish them online so that the world could see what was happening. So the actual putting together of the piece was also this big task of just sifting through hundreds of pages of documents and witness testimony and so on and bringing out the crucial details and putting those into the story as well. Welcome to The Guardian Long Read, showcasing the best long-form journalism covering culture, politics and new thinking. For the text version of this and all our long reads, go to theguardian.com forward slash long read. Before we begin, just to let you know, this audio long read contains descriptions of violence that you may find distressing. Golden Dawn, the rise and fall of Greece's neo-Nazis. Written by Daniel Trilling, read by Moe Yu, and produced by Esther Apokigeni. After he stabbed Pavlos Fissas in the chest, leaving him to bleed to death on the pavement, Yorgos Rupakias walked calmly back to his car and waited to be arrested. Don't give me away. I'm one of you, he said, according to a police officer who arrived at the scene. What do you mean? Are you police? asked the officer. No. I am Golden Dawn. Rupakias, an unemployed lorry driver, would later claim that the killing was an act of self-defence. He said he had simply got caught up in a random street brawl in the Greek port city of Piraeus, shortly after midnight on September 18th, 2013. What he told the police officer, overheard by several witnesses, suggested something quite different. Golden Dawn was a neo-Nazi party that had risen to prominence the previous year amid Greece's economic crisis. The party had gone from winning fewer than 20,000 votes in the country's 2009 general election to winning more than 7% of the vote and 18 parliamentary seats in 2012. No outright fascist party in Europe had made such gains in a general election for years. Although Golden Dawn's members sometimes played the game of respectable politics, they were no mere right-wing populists. They were the kind of Nazis you are more likely to read about in history books. Driven by profound racism and anti-Semitic conspiracy theory with a fervent devotion to Hitler, Golden Dawn combined street violence with torch-lit, flag-waving rallies and extreme rhetoric. One of its MPs proclaimed civil war to a BBC reporter, while an election candidate promised in front of a documentary crew to turn on the ovens and make lampshades from the skins of immigrants, a reference to what Nazi Germany did to Jews, Roma and other minorities in the Holocaust. The Europe of Nations is back, declared the party's leader, Nikolaos Mihaloliakos, at a press conference in May 2012. Greece is only the beginning. In the years before Golden Dawn's electoral breakthrough, its opponents had been intimidated, beaten up and in some cases, almost killed. Once the party's candidates entered parliament, this kind of violence only seemed to grow. Party associates like Rupakias, who claims not to have been a member, although other witnesses say he was a key official in his local branch, seem to believe that they were tolerated, or even supported, in their endeavours by parts of the Greek state. But the events that night in September 2013 changed everything. On the evening of September 17th, three Golden Dawn supporters were watching football at a bar in Keratsini, a suburb of Piraeus, when they spotted Fissas 
a 34-year-old rapper on a night out with friends. Fissus, who went by the stage name Killer P, was well known locally as a hip-hop promoter and campaigner against racism with a following among working-class Greek youth. The Golden Dawn trio started making phone calls. Surveillance records show how communications travelled up the party hierarchy and back down again. At 11.28pm, the records show that an SMS was sent from a phone alleged to belong to Yorgos Patelis, the leader of Golden Dawn's branch in Nikeia, to several dozen contacts. Everyone come now to the local office. Whoever is nearby, we will not wait for those who are far. Now. Rupakias, who had been at home watching television, was one of the people who apparently responded to the call-out. Just before midnight, a convoy of Golden Dawn supporters on motorbikes, with Rupakias following in his car, arrived in Karatsini. Witnesses saw the Golden Dawn group threaten Fissas and his friends before chasing them around the corner and onto the main road, Tsaldari Avenue. As his friends fled, Fissas stopped to face his attackers, who quickly pinned him to the wall. CCTV footage shows what happens next. While Fissas is assaulted by groups of men in twos and threes, in apparently coordinated fashion, a car driven by Rupakias pulls up. He gets out, moves in close to Fissas as if to embrace him and delivers the fatal blow. A doctor who treated Fissas later told his parents that the stabbing looked like a professional hit. Earlier in 2013, two men linked to Golden Dawn had stabbed to death a Pakistani man, Shahzad Lukman, on the streets of Athens. That murder barely registered in the Greek media, let alone internationally. The killing of Fissas, however, made headlines all over the world. In Greece, there was widespread shock, particularly as the image of Fissas's mother, Magda, appeared on TV news bulletins and newspaper front pages. Clad in black, grieving, demanding justice for her son, she made it a case for every Greek, as Kostis Papayoannou, a prominent human rights activist, told me last year. The murder investigation quickly became an investigation of Golden Dawn itself, and the result is a vast criminal trial, the largest trial of Nazis since Nuremberg, according to lawyers representing some of Golden Dawn's alleged victims. More than six years after it began, the trial is only now drawing to a close. A total of 68 people are charged with directing or belonging to a criminal organisation. The defendants, who include Golden Dawn's entire leadership and all of its former MPs, are charged with dozens of additional crimes including racketeering, attempted murder and weapons possession. They all deny the charges. Court hearings will end this spring, and a verdict is due shortly after, but Greece has already started to move on. Golden Dawn was wiped out in last year's general election, and the new Conservative government has declared the years of crisis over. Many media outlets only cover the trial sporadically, According to the centrist political commentator Yannis Paleologos, Greece now has an opportunity to draw a line under the populism of both left and right. As the various populist myths about the causes and possible solutions to Greece's crisis have been revealed as delusions and outright lies, he wrote in a piece for the Washington Post last year, the fuel that sustained extremism has been depleted. Yet it would be a mistake to overlook what the trial has revealed. The story of Golden Dawn is the closest we've yet come to seeing fascism in its most extreme form regain a foothold in European politics this century. What makes it doubly shocking is that it took place in a country that suffered brutally at the hands of Nazi Germany, and that the European Union, founded on the promise of never again, 
was partly responsible for Golden Dawn's rise. How is it that a movement that recalls some of the worst moments of the 20th century could flourish in our own time? In the days after the killing, Greece's justice system sprung into action. The Minister for Public Order asked the Supreme Court to investigate Golden Dawn, handing over details of 32 alleged crimes that range from violent threats to grievous bodily harm, stabbings and murder. Mihal Olyakos, a squat, middle-aged man with greying hair and a bulldog face, was arrested, along with dozens of other senior members. Raids on party offices and members' homes uncovered caches of weapons and Nazi paraphernalia, and footage of occult swearing-in ceremonies. Before September 2013, Golden Dawn support had been higher than ever. That year, according to Pape Ioannou, some pollsters had been reluctant to publish the results of surveys that put it in double-digit figures, some as high as 17 or 18%, for fear it would give them further legitimacy. Now the party's poll ratings plummeted. Yet the danger posed by Golden Dawn had been clear for years. Northwest of Athens' city centre is a square dominated by an Orthodox church dedicated to the 4th century martyr St. Pantaleimon. In the late 2000s, Golden Dawn established a public presence there by turning some of the local Greek residents against their immigrant neighbours. Golden Dawn was founded in the early 80s, initially as a Masonic society, according to the investigative journalist Dimitris Psarras, an authority on the party. For many years, it remained small and semi-hidden, recruiting its members from Greece's football hooligan scene. In the late noughties, however, it pursued the new strategy, setting up an angry citizens group in St. Pantaleimon to complain about crime at link to immigrants, mainly refugees from Afghanistan, who had recently moved into the area. Many lived in poverty or destitution, trapped by a Greek asylum system that didn't work and an EU regulation that would not let them travel elsewhere, but a community was starting to put down roots. Some Afghans had opened shops and cafes on the square. In an early sign of economic turmoil, several inner-city neighbourhoods of Athens became visibly poorer during this period, a decline that some people blamed on immigration. St. Pantaleimon and the surrounding streets became notorious for racist attacks, so-called assault squads of men who witnesses often said wore t-shirts bearing Golden Dawn's logo would beat Afghan, Pakistani and West African residents with sticks and knuckle dusters. Local Greek people who spoke out against Golden Dawn, like the owner of a pharmacy I interviewed a few years ago, were threatened too. After the refugees, she said they told her, the targets will be you, the leftists and the Jews. In 2010, voters in Athens elected Mihaloliakos to the city council. Every country in Europe has groups like Golden Dawn, small, often clandestine networks of right-wing extremists whose ideology blurs the line between politics and a cult. Their hopes of breaking into the mainstream lie in economic collapse, intense social conflict, or a state that doesn't enforce the law. In the wake of the global financial crisis, Greece offered Golden Dawn a combination of all three. In 2009, Greece's newly elected government, led by the centre-left party PASOK, the Pan-Hellenic Socialist Movement, announced that it had discovered a huge hole in the public finances. Greece was one of the countries left most exposed by the financial crash, and the fallout threatened not just the national economy, but the stability of the euro. The government was forced to accept the bailout from international lending institutions 
which came with punishing austerity measures insisted on by the EU. Tax rises, wage suppression and cuts to public spending forced hundreds of thousands of people into poverty. Attacks on heating fuel symbolised the hardship and humiliation. Many people started to use wood-burning stoves, and 19th century smog returned to Greek cities during the winter months. Public anger at austerity swept many parts of Europe during these years, but in Greece it developed into a full-blown crisis of legitimacy for the state. To many Greeks, the entire political class seemed corrupt. We vote, you vote, they steal ran one popular slogan in the protest movement that erupted in 2011. The government's response was to crack down on protests with riot police and tear gas, even as it struggled to carry out basic functions of the state, such as tax collection or running public services. Across the political spectrum, a feeling of national betrayal took hold. This is not a division of left or right. The division is between the Greek people and the ones who have subjected themselves to the will of the bankers and the troika. Greece's lenders, said Manolis Glezos, a left-wing figurehead of the protest movement, when I interviewed him at the peak of the crisis. Glezos was a hero of the Greek resistance during the Second World War. As a teenage boy, while Athens was under German occupation, he had climbed the Acropolis and torn down the swastika flag that hung there. In return, he was tortured. Now in his 90s, he led protests outside the Greek parliament that were attended by an array of groups leftists and some right-wing nationalists, labourers and middle-class professionals, public sector workers and small business owners. In this fraught atmosphere, Golden Dawn worked hard to attract the support of the disaffected, vehemently opposing the disorder of the protests, but positioning itself against austerity. It expanded across the country, building several well-organised branches around Piraeus, a port city dominated by Greece's powerful shipping industry and beset by unemployment. Call us if you want to get rid of the commies, its members told people in the shipyards, traditionally the stronghold of a trade union affiliated with Greece's Communist Party. For the 2012 general election, the party veered between a more populist image, railing against Greece's creditors, allegedly hiding the neo-Nazi parts of its doctrine with a new party constitution and violent rhetoric, promising to sink boats carrying migrants across the Aegean. Its candidates claimed to offer security that the state was unable to provide. One widely circulated campaign photograph showed Golden Dawn members escorting an elderly Greek woman to a cash point. She was later revealed to be the mother of one of the members. The 2012 election was won by the established right-wing party New Democracy, but the biggest story was that voters had deserted the mainstream in droves. Many went left, transforming the once marginal radical left party Syriza into a major opposition force. Others turned to Golden Dawn. I feel like the whole system is a lie, one Golden Dawn voter, a young woman who worked in marketing, told me that year. On another occasion, I was accosted by an elderly lady at a food market who demanded I tell my readers that she voted for Golden Dawn to show that we Greeks can stand on our own two feet. In October, five months after the election, A coalition of NGOs, including the UN's refugee agency, warned of a steep rise in racist assaults in Greece, many of which shared the modus operandi of Golden Dawn's alleged attack squads. Other violent incidents began to stack up. One of Golden Dawn's MPs slapped a female left-wing opponent in the face live on television. Two others led a mass assault on a community centre in suburban Athens that offered language lessons to immigrants, in which witnesses described adults being beaten in front of their terrified children. 
A string of assaults, increasing in severity, preceded the killing of Fissas. When I first visited Athens in late 2012, I found that the Afghan community had been driven out of St. Pantalemon, their shops and cafes shuttered. Yunus Mohammadi, the head of the Afghan Community Association, was working from an office in a secret location because his previous headquarters had been firebombed. A few years earlier, he said, his organisation had held a press conference to raise the alarm about the violence linked to Golden Dawn. For now, it is our problem, migrants and refugees, he warned, but soon it will be a problem for all of you Greek people too. Thanks for listening to The Guardian Long Read. The story continues right after this. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The audio long read is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you than make That's a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash audiolongread today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. H-E-L-P dot com slash audio long read. Welcome back to The Guardian Long Read. In late 2013, after the wave of arrests that followed the killing of Fissas, Greece's Supreme Court appointed two magistrates to carry out the investigation. Over nine months, they assembled a case file containing more than a terabyte of data. Witness statements, police interviews, photographs, videos, confiscated hard drives, call records and wiretapped phone conversations. Some of the more lurid details were leaked to the Greek media, such as a video of the party's deputy leader, Christos Papas, apparently teaching his children to shout, Hail Hitler. The drop in public support for Golden Dawn proved to be temporary. A few months after the killing, it was back to polling around 7%, the vote it had received in the 2012 election. Greece's crisis had not abated, and the new democracy-led government 
was trying to push through the unpopular austerity measures that its predecessors had failed to. The country's political and media class was split over how to treat Golden Dawn, since Greece's constitution does not allow for the banning of political parties. In late 2013, when Parliament voted to suspend the party's state election funding and waive its MPs' immunity from prosecution, the move was opposed by a minority of left-wingers, one of whom argued that Golden Dawn was not a classic Nazi party, since it set itself in opposition to the dominant bourgeois forces. In 2014, several defence lawyers for Golden Dawn members who were under investigation appeared on a TV chat show to argue that while they didn't support the party's views, they were doing their jobs in the interest of democracy and free speech. Suspending funds did not stop 17 of Golden Dawn's 18 MPs retaining their seats at the general election of January 2015. It was won overall by Syriza, who formed a left-right coalition with the nationalist independent Greeks, promising to defy EU-imposed austerity. One month later, the Judicial Council of the Athens Appeals Court, a panel of judges that decides on whether a case should proceed, charged 69 Golden Dawn members and supporters, including all of its sitting MPs, under Article 187 of Greece's Penal Code, which relates to organised crime. One defendant has since died so 68 now await a verdict. The indictment made clear that the defendants were not on trial for their beliefs. The ideology of the leaders, supporters and friends of the political party is not in itself criminal, the council wrote. Instead, the trial examines whether Golden Dawn used violence to impose its ideas on others and whether that violence was planned and directed from the top of the party. Dozens of other charges, ranging from weapons possession to perjury, have been brought against individual defendants. In addition to the state's case, lawyers representing some of Golden Dawn's alleged victims have brought civil prosecutions, which have also been incorporated into the main trial. These relate to the murder of Fissus, the attempted murder of communist trade unionists outside the Piraeus shipyards, and the attempted murder of a group of Egyptian fishermen, also close to Piraeus. In April 2015, the trial began with a flurry of media attention as Golden Dawn supporters fought with their anti-fascist opponents outside the Athens courthouse. More than 150 witnesses, police officers, legal and political experts, alleged victims of assaults, anonymous informants, have given testimony over the years. During this time, the media's interest in the case has ebbed and flowed. Journalists have largely arrived only to cover spectacular moments such as Magda Fissas's testimony which ended with her hurling a bottle of water at her son's alleged killers. The trial's progress has been slow, beset by strikes and procedural wrangling, but it has revealed something of vital importance, how fascist ideology tries to exploit a society's anger and resentment. At the heart of the prosecution's case is testimony given by five former Golden Dawn members, all of whom are now under witness protection over the course of several weeks in late 2017. Their evidence purports to set out the anatomy of a neo-Nazi organisation. The former members described the group with a dual structure. It recruited from wider society, like a regular political party, but also gradually inducted a chosen few into closed cells that, they said, were sent to boot camps in the Greek countryside and trained to follow orders. Protected witness A said he joined Golden Dawn in 2012 after a friend suggested they could help him find work and receive financial support. Witness B said she had got involved the same year after reading a Facebook post that falsely claimed Pakistanis were on their way to attack her local Golden Dawn branch office. 
Witness E said she was told that a woman is a good national socialist if she stays in the house and has children, because her goal is to breed warriors. But when it came to election time and Golden Dawn needed female names on the ballot paper, she claimed, she was ordered to stand as a candidate. Witness C described what it was like to be a member of the inner core. He said he had joined the party in 2006, age 16, when it was still a closed club. For the first few years, he attended discussions at the party headquarters in downtown Athens two or three times a week, where they were taught about Hitler and Nazism. When he was a little older, Witness C claimed, he was taken out for walks, the term his comrades used to describe nighttime assaults on people from ethnic minority backgrounds. This one night, Witness C recalled, we found an immigrant, probably a Pakistani. We went near him and I punched him in the face wearing my brass knuckles. The others laughed and told me, well done boy, you're really coming into your own. The witnesses all said they believed that instructions came directly from the top as Ilyas Stavro, another former member who waived his right to anonymity, testified. In a party with such a military-style structure, nothing can happen without an order or permission from above. If Mihal Oliakos orders a hit, the person isn't what's important. Golden Dawn does not harbour personal feelings. For Golden Dawn, race is the ideological unit, not the person. The alleged existence of closed cells, similar to the stormtrooper units of the original German Nazi party, or the black-shirted squadristi of Mussolini's fascists, is central to the case. Sarras, the investigative journalist, told me that these core members never numbered more than 200 or 300, with just a few dozen being involved in most of the violent incidents. After 2012, as the party became more popular, it attracted at most 2,000 new members who were kept at arm's length as registered supporters. Throughout Golden Dawn's rise to prominence, there were persistent allegations that elements in the Greek police tolerated or even supported its activities. In 2018, the research organisation Forensic Architecture published a study of CCTV footage and police and ambulance radio transmissions on the night Fissas was killed, which appeared to place officers at the scene of the crime before it happened, contradicting the official account. In the neighbourhood of St Pantelaimon, the victims of racist attacks reported police officers looking on, or joining in, as Golden Dawn members beat them up. Trial witnesses described occasions at protests when it appeared as if Golden Dawn was acting as the rear guard of the riot squad, or that clashes between the two seemed like a friendly match. In April 2018, the court heard wiretap evidence of a phone call between a senior Golden Dawn member, not on trial in this case, and an officer in the riot control unit, who was apparently passing on details of the movement of left-wing demonstrators. One analysis of votes cast in the 2012 election suggested that as many as 50% of riot control officers in Athens may have voted for the party. The study was made possible because riot squad barracks had their own dedicated ballot boxes. The activist Kostis Papayoano, a former president of the National Commission for Human Rights, told me that these revelations have not come as a great shock, since there is a feeling among many Greeks that it's not the first time they've seen this happen. Rather, it's a reminder of the country's traumatic experiences during the 20th century. The German occupation of Greece in the Second World War was marked by famine, massacres, and a growing conflict between communist-led partisans and those right-wing Greeks who collaborated with the occupiers. As the war drew to a close, 
British forces, who had until then supported the partisans, attempted to prevent them from running the newly liberated country. Instead, the British empowered the right. This sowed the seeds for the Civil War of 1946 to 1949, during which more than 150,000 people were killed. As the historian Mark Mazawa writes in Inside Hitler's Greece, the Civil War ended in victory for the right, behind whom lurked the mysterious Parastate, a loose network of shadowy right-wing paramilitary organisations dedicated to protecting Greece from the left. Almost three decades of repression followed, first under a system of managed democracy in which left-wingers and their families were blocked from taking up public sector jobs and former partisans were exiled to remote islands in the Aegean. Then, between 1967 and 1974, by a military junta backed by the US. Golden Dawn's leadership hails from the far-right milieu that surrounded the junta. Mihal Oliakos once led the youth wing of a party founded by the former leader of the dictatorship. After the fall of the junta in 1974, Greece went through a process of reconciliation, establishing a liberal democratic constitution. Writing in the mid-90s, Mazawa could optimistically suggest that the Nazi occupation and its aftermath has come to seem to a younger generation a matter of some antiquity, of little relevance to their own concerns. But the crisis that engulfed Greece after 2008 brought matters that many hoped were settled back to the fore. As people argued over who was responsible for betraying the country and who was defending it, historical events took on a new meaning. Among the anti-government graffiti that appeared on the streets of Athens, for instance, was the slogan, Varkiza is not over, a reference to the town where a fragile peace treaty was signed between the left and the right in 1945. As the historian Prokopis Papastratis explained to me at the time, it expressed the sentiment that our grandfathers agreed to work together and they were betrayed, and we're not going to make the same mistake. In 2012, amid increasing polarisation, the party that won the general election, New Democracy, presented itself as charting a course between two extremes, that of Syriza on the left and Golden Dawn on the right. But New Democracy was itself promoting a form of right-wing nationalism, aided by xenophobic media coverage on Greece's privately owned television channels. While the government aimed to carry out the austerity measures, it also promised voters it would crack down on migrants and refugees and restore law and order. The new democracy Prime Minister, Antonis Samaras, vowed to retake Greek city centres, which had been occupied by illegal immigrants. The country has not faced an invasion of such magnitude since the Dorian invasion 3,000 years ago, claimed one of his ministers in August 2012. That November, the government launched a large-scale police operation to round up undocumented immigrants and place them in detention centres. Scores of people were arrested, including two tourists, an African-American and a South Korean, both of whom said they were beaten up by police, despite showing their passports. Yet the anti-government mood continued unabated. According to Yanis Paiologos in his History of the Greek Crisis, the 13th labour of Hercules, some new democracy officials even started to privately discuss the possibility of going into coalition with Golden Dawn. The government, he writes, was playing with fire. In this atmosphere, Golden Dawn campaigned hard to position itself as the defender of the nation. Its activists staged Greeks-only food banks and blood donation drives and forced their way into hospitals to check the residence permits of immigrant nurses. It staged spectacular rallies with hundreds of members marching with torches and Greek flags at night. 
to boost its prominence in the media, with some outlets giving the party an easy ride. One talk show host, for instance, told his viewers he believed a Golden Dawn MP's claim that what appeared to be a swastika tattoo was, in fact, a Trojan symbol. The party's public statements frequently appealed to more mainstream Greek nationalism, invocations of ancient Greek history and Orthodox Christianity, resentment of Turkey and Germany, the former oppressors, and conspiracy theories about who was responsible for Greece's troubles. Yet Golden Dawn's efforts to claim the myths and symbols of the Greek nation for itself also played a part in its undoing. On September the 15th, 2013, days before Fissas was killed, members stormed a commemoration event at Meligalas, a village in the Peloponnese region where, in 1944, partisans killed several hundred Greeks they accused of being Nazi collaborators. The left and the right in Greece each have their own historical moments to commemorate, When Syriza were elected to power in 2015, for instance, one of the first acts by Alexis Tsipras, the new prime minister, was to place flowers at the spot where 200 mainly communist activists were murdered by the Nazis in 1944. Meligalas, by contrast, is claimed by the right. In its version of events, the dead were mainly civilians, and this kind of atrocity justified the subsequent repression of the left. But the sight of Golden Dawn members marching in formation to the front of the crowd and pushing the village mayor off the stage, just as he was giving a speech saying the events of the war should never be repeated, was too much for some Greek conservatives. In Meligalas, Golden Dawn declared war on the right, read the headline on one right-wing news website. Papa Ioanno told me that it was particularly shocking since Samaras, the prime minister at the time, hails from the Peloponnese. Symbolically, it was an attack on the leader of the Conservatives, because it was an attack in his own backyard, said Papa Ioannou. Two days after Fissas was killed, Samaras visited the neighbourhood where the murder had taken place. This government is determined, he declared, not to allow the descendants of Nazis to poison our social life, to commit crime and to undermine the foundations of the country that gave birth to democracy. In the autumn of 2019, six years after they were arrested, Golden Dawn's leadership finally appeared in court. Throughout the year, 68 defendants took turns to give their final statements to the court. A panel of judges, there is no jury in this type of trial, will decide whether or not Golden Dawn is a criminal organisation and who, if anybody, bears responsibility for running it. Even before it concludes, the trial has in effect suppressed the party at least temporarily. With its election funds suspended and its senior members facing prosecution, Golden Dawn was never able to build on the 7% it received in the 2012 election. After the arrests and raids of 2013, racist attacks in Greece dropped sharply. According to the Racist Violence Recording Network and NGO Monitor, there were 18 incidents in the final quarter of that year, as compared to around 50 in each of the previous quarters. In the general election of 2019, New democracy regained power from Syriza, which, despite dire predictions of left populist chaos in some quarters, was defeated in its attempt to overturn austerity and ended up governing as a fairly moderate social democratic party, and Golden Dawn was unseated from the national parliament. It retained just one MEP, who has since quit to form his own breakaway party. For Thanasis Kampagianis, a lawyer representing some of Golden Dawn's alleged victims, The trial is only one tool among many to counter the party. He believes the case may not even have come to court 
were it not for mass anti-fascist protests in the autumn of 2013, which placed the government under public pressure and sought to reclaim city squares dominated by Golden Dawn. We do not trust the institutions to dismantle completely this Nazi organisation, declares a statement issued by Campagianis and other lawyers in 2013. For this reason, Campagianis and two dozen other volunteers, there is no legal aid available to them, have put in hundreds of unpaid hours to sift through the case files and find evidence that state investigators may have missed. It is a legal scandal, he told me, that Golden Dawn members are not being prosecuted under a stricter anti-terrorism law, as was the case for November the 17th, a left-wing group whose leaders were convicted in 2003 of a string of high-profile assassinations. A legacy of Greece's fractured history is an undercurrent of violence on the left as well as the right. In late 2013, two Golden Dawn members were shot dead outside party offices in an Athens suburb, an attack that was later claimed by a hitherto unknown revolutionary organisation as retaliation for the killing of Fissus. Some individuals linked to Golden Dawn have now been convicted of specific crimes in separate trials. The killers of Shazad Lukman, for instance, were found guilty of murder, with the judge acknowledging the crime had a racist motive. But Campagianis, along with several other people I spoke to, was concerned that the state still does not take the far right or racism seriously enough. In recent months, anti-immigrant protests have grown in the wake of the refugee crisis. At one such event in Athens this January, a German journalist was assaulted by far-right activists. In February, a gang of men suspected of having links to Golden Dawn were arrested on the island of Lesbos as they were patrolling a village armed with wooden clubs, allegedly looking for migrants to beat up. And in the past few days, growing tension over Turkey's decision to let refugees approach the Greek border means the rhetoric of a migrant invasion has once again returned to European politics. Towards the end of last year, as lawyers prepared to make their closing arguments, the state prosecutor, an official who sits alongside the judges and recommends what course of action they take, surprised many observers by suggesting that Golden Dawn's leadership should be acquitted of the most serious charges, since the violent crimes were isolated acts for which the leadership was not responsible. This provoked a retort from Fissas's mother, who has attended court every day since the trial began. Pavlos Fissas has been dead for 75 months, she told the prosecutor in front of the court. You chose today to stab him again? For Golden Dawn's part, the approach has been to deny everything. I visited court in the autumn of 2019 and saw a series of alleged middle-ranking members claim they knew nothing about any of the crimes they were accused of. One, who was recorded discussing the killing of Fissas on the phone with his mother, told the court he had been making it all up. Many refused to say if they were members of the party or not. If the court does decide that Golden Dawn is a criminal organisation, then being a member could itself be incriminating. Several prosecution witnesses have previously testified that a culture of omerta pervades the ranks. One told the court about a member who had stepped out of line and was beaten up in party offices, with classical music played on the stereo to cover his screams. On November the 6th, 2019, Mihal Oliakos had his day in court. There was no great showdown. In front of the judges, he declined to take the opportunity to defend his beliefs. Instead, he argued that the accusations were all lies. There was, for instance, no secret party constitution that gave him absolute power, as numerous witnesses had testified. Anybody who contradicted him couldn't be relied on. 
as a final gesture, he appeared to abandon his own followers, undermining the claim of Yorgos Patelis, the alleged leader of the Nikaya branch, that on the night Fissas was killed, they had merely been out delivering leaflets. It was weird to go leafleting at midnight, Mihal Oliakos said. After leaving court, he recorded a video for his social media channels, saying he had defended Golden Dawn and its fighters when he took the stand. Mihal Oliakos and his associates represent a nightmare that haunts Europe, that the worst parts of its history are bound to resurface. Yet as the journalist Sarras told me, since Golden Dawn was never a mass movement, its relationship with its supporters was ideological. By this, he meant that Golden Dawn's power lay in failures in the political injustice systems, the platform given to it by the media, and people's unwillingness to face up to the problem. Golden Dawn's rise inspired a new generation of fascists around the world. One apparent visitor to its rallies in 2013 was the American founder of the influential neo-Nazi website The Daily Stormer. But this story is about more than individual extremists. It is a warning about what can happen when a society feels hurt, humiliated, angry and ignored. Fascism, more than any other political current, is a battle over memory as much as it is about the present. The extreme nationalists who populate the far right know this, and they know that in order to succeed, they must make us forget what their ideas have led us to in the past. Fascism seeks to colonise our myths of identity and belonging, to turn them to its own destructive ends. It starts by promising to clean up your neighbourhood, your city, or your country. It says the nation is for you, and people like you alone and that its violence will only ever be directed against those who don't matter, the misfits, outsiders, inferiors, it never stops there. Yet it only works if we let it. The trial of Golden Dawn has described the catalogue of violence. A former head of the Pakistani Community Association in Athens testified that he had heard as many as 900 accounts of immigrants being attacked by people claiming to support Golden Dawn, but it has also given voice to the fears and hopes of those people who pushed back. There was an elderly man who told the court that seeing Golden Dawn marching in his town brought back terrifying memories of the German occupation, and an anti-fascist activist who testified that being assaulted by Golden Dawn supporters would not deter him because he felt a duty to the people that died in the crematoria and in the islands of exile. A school teacher said she had organised the protest against Golden Dawn because she wanted to defend her island's multicultural character and its unique rhythms of life. A Greek father described how shocked he was when his dark-skinned son was stopped in the street by Golden Dawn and asked for ID, and Emmaus spoke of his determination to support a local Roma community, despite being labelled the Gypsy Mayor. And several former members talked about what motivated them to give evidence, Protected Witness E felt she had a moral duty to testify. Witness C said he had ideological differences with Fissas, but wanted to apologise to his mother. When I visited Athens in late 2019, I went to see the spot where Fissas was killed. Taldari Avenue has since been renamed after the rapper. A memorial stands on the spot where he died. I also visited the square of St. Pantalaemon, where Golden Dawn had established itself a decade earlier. Before, on the occasions I visited, it was often deserted. Immigrant residents of the neighbourhood were scared to leave their own houses for fear of assault. One Afghan woman, brought almost to destitution by a combination of far-right violence and failed immigration policy, described to me in 2012 how she and her friends were reduced to going out at night, 
in groups to scavenge for food. Seven years later, the square had transformed. It was banal, even. A multicultural neighbourhood of a European city whose Greek, Middle Eastern and Asian residents were sitting outside together, talking, checking their phones and catching the evening sun. For more Guardian long reads in text and a selection in audio, go to theguardian.com forward slash long read. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.